With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined not by Pat Corain, but by Colin Drew, because you know what time it is, guys? It's preseason showdown time. It's time... Actually, you fun fact, the last time they played a Hall of Fame game back in 2019, you know who won the Hall of Fame game showdown? Colin Drew. We, we shipped it, man. It's uh, the best it. ball nerds. They were fun. Pat co-hosting on the Sports Grid show. Great times. But we got some DFS here, too. So I know we're still going to have some good best ball talk going through throughout the right up until the season opener. But uh, we're going to mix in some DFS stuff because it is an exciting time preseason not what it used to be but i think it's still a pretty fun game to play especially for those of us who who are deep in it you know if you think about it if you really want to go ninth level like even more than galaxy brain like parallel universe brain you could maybe even arguable that even argue in a way it's more exploitable now because you know exactly who everyone is going to be playing like it's like the the chalk is going to be so concentrated and guys who, you know, don't have uh, notes or whatever on, on other content providers. Like if you actually have a a good play that is not listed on a content site, it's like even more valuable now because like Rico Boosie is going to be like 65% owned in a showdown slate. If he's listed as like the top play top wide receiver tier at like ETR or something like that. Yeah. And so, so obviously from like a median level, like if you are just playing the, the top plays and, and not, you know, delving into any game theory, it's much more difficult and much less exploitable now, but you have an even clearer picture on what even your good opponents are going to be doing in tournaments now. Yeah, definitely. And you're going to, you know, you're not going to get guys at 1% necessarily, but you're going to find a lot of guys that maybe are like 10 to 20% that profile almost the exact same as these 50% owned guys. And it's pretty interesting. I think for the the full week, you know, we can talk a little bit about preseason strategy in general, kind of where to go to look for news and tidbits and, and stuff. But there's such a strong correlation just between snap count and production that, Really, you're just trying to tease out playing time. And from there, there's a, a lot of variance. Um, and I always found that it's an overwhelming amount of research to try to tackle by yourself when you're looking at a full slate. But when you're able to get these short slates, then I, I think it's pretty interesting. So obviously, it doesn't take a lot to convince me to play Showdown. But even the, the other like three game preseason slates, like that's pretty interesting to me as well versus when you got to tease through like 10 teams. Yeah, it's like a, a 16 game 
or a 10 game or a 12 game showdown slate or uh, not showdown, but preseason slate. It's kind of just like, I don't know, I guess play the top plays and hope that some of the other top plays are, are not as owned because you're right. I mean, the, also the, the reporting is interesting because 2021 you're going to have a way more direct line to beat writers and stuff. Now, like beat writers are permanently online and you know, they have, they have comment sections on the athletic and things like that. Like the information is much more readily available than even it would have been in 2019. Yeah. I think there's extremely good reporting at the quarterback level. You know, you almost know exact time intervals that guys are going to be playing. And so that's pretty nice quarterback, always one of the most projectable positions anyways. But um, I, and then I think you're getting better reporting now in terms of injuries than you got before. So maybe guys who miss practice or, you know, guys who are running with the same unit during two minute drills, things like that. I think in like a single game slate, you know, you can find the correlations, not just players that may do well, but like players that may be playing with specific quarterbacks. And I think there's some strategy there and some information now that you get there that you might not have got a couple of years ago, but um, there's still just so much variance. Cause like, if you look at the Cowboys, like their wide receiver depth chart is just massive. And so trying to tease through that, like a lot of these guys, I mean, the floors on literally everyone are zero for the most part, except for the quarterback and defensive positions. Well, I have uh, I have a good take for Cowboys wide receivers. Um, I think that one of Simi Fahoko or Osiris Mitchell is going to be a guy that they try to get targets. I haven't, um, I haven't looked at like uh, any of the content sites or anything. My guess is that Fahoko is going to be the one that gets touted. They drafted him in the fifth round. He's a little bit older of a guy. He's been good at camp. And something I also know is that uh, our, our buddy, uh, Chris Camino over at Roto Grinders. He always, when he does his write-ups, he always includes the spark scores for guys because obviously like good, well, no good spark guys are going to do better in the preseason because they're playing against used car salesmen, you know? Um, so I, I, and Fahoko, I think is going to get touted a little bit, but I know from reading Cowboys stuff, Osiris Mitchell has been good at camp. Yeah, I like it. I was, I, I have a free blog up. So if you're listening to this, you want to pull it up and read along, or you want to resource as you're building lineups, as far as kind of some cliff notes and things to think about also some notes on specific teams. Those were actually two of the guys that I had flagged from beat writers as names to watch um, for Dallas. They have a lot of wide receiver depth and that's probably my biggest concern with the Cowboys side of things. Um, but certainly an opportunity there to, to catch like a, you know, a, th- a three catch and a touchdown type game from one of these guys. Um, and I, I think a lot of those guys, you know, like the playing time of the quarterback is also going to be pretty interesting to watch as it relates to those specific players, because I think Fahoko is higher on their depth chart. So he's probably more likely to get targets with like Gilbert um, than Ben DiNucci or something who's going to come in the last of the three quarterbacks. Yeah. And I mean, wide receivers and tight ends are basically the big question marks and that's true for showdown and that's true for the the three four and five gamers as well because uh like what you'll see is winning teams or top one percent teams tend to use wide receivers in the flex things like that but the wide receivers are the hardest guys to determine playing time on and the playing time also doesn't even really matter right like a guy could play four quarters but just be a bum and not get any targets so you you know it, like the the floor 
on all the wide receivers is like zero, but they yeah. have the better ceilings because like 11 points in preseason is a huge score. Yeah. And they, I think you definitely want to think about allocating captain exposure to wide receivers, especially if you're able to narrow it down a little bit. Um, still there, like the snap count alone was like a 0.63 correlation between DK performance and um, for wide receivers. So just being on the field, even if they're a bum is still more important than being like a decently talented, like we're talking like seventh string on the depth chart, right? Like, I think the other thing throughout the preseason we're going to be trying to figure out is how teams are going to handle it. Right. Cause these teams are playing the hall of fame game. They'll have three additional games, but like McCarthy mentioned that because they have a hall of fame game and then a competitive practice in two days that they're kind of lumping those two in um, as the same thing for allocating exposure and work to different players. Um, but we don't have the traditional four game preseason now with the expanded schedule. So I know some coaches are going to treat the week two kind of as the, the week where like maybe starters play the first half, but I don't think that's necessarily going to be consistent across all the teams. And so like the old playbook, I think we're going to have to monitor a little bit more as far as allocating playing time to different waves of the depth chart based on which week in the preseason we're in. Yeah. And it's also important to be monitoring practice reports for uh, things like injuries and stuff, because guys who are like slightly banged up are just not playing in the preseason. So for example, uh, Thursday night Steelers, Cowboys, I would not, I would, I would literally not expect to see any of Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson. And I think probably even Noah Brown, maybe Cedric Wilson is in there like the first series of the first quarter or whatever, but Gallup missed practice the other day. I, if CD played, I would be blown away to, to, to see CD out there with Garrett Gilbert. I would like, I'd be like, what, what are we doing out here? But maybe you see CD for literally a drive, maybe, maybe literally a drive. But I, I think, you know, the, the idea that the Cowboys depth chart at wide receiver is really deep when you sub like, I, I think all top of the five guys max out at a drive. So I, I, I do think maybe it's a little bit more thin. Yeah, I, I think that's um, that's a fair point. Um, I would say they still definitely have more depth, but um, I, I was kind of assuming for both teams, you know, you're looking at those top guys sitting. And so we can get into tonight's game, but um, the just the depth charts alone. So both um, like Pittsburgh has four quarterbacks. Obviously, Big Ben is not going to play tonight. Mason Rudolph is going to start. Dwayne Haskins is going to come in in the second quarter. He's definitely getting the two minute drive to end the um, first half per beat writers in the way that they practiced. And he's expected to play up to two quarters. Um, and then Dobbs will come in in the fourth quarter. So Pittsburgh only has 11 wide receivers on their roster, whereas the Cowboys have 14. I think much like Dallas, I don't expect to see a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster or Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool maybe a drive from those guys, maybe a little bit more from James Washington. But I think that pretty quickly narrows Pittsburgh's wide receivers down to seven. And then they've, like you said, like guys who were limited in practice, I think are probably not going to play as much. And so um, Pittsburgh did have for tight ends, Ebron Gentry limited or out of practice this week, White and McLeod at wide receivers. So I think it's possible that we're looking at five wide receiver uh, or six wide receiver rotation for Pittsburgh tonight, which is pretty appealing. Yeah, because I, I would not imagine we see Juju, Claypool, Deontay, James Washington. Also, the Steelers beat writers said that they're, the coaching staff is not – they're wanting to use these early preseason games to get a look at guys 
that they haven't played yet. So that would be like, even if McLeod was active or what or available, I don't think we would see very much of him. Uh, I don't think we'd see very much of Ebron or Gentry. Uh, I would imagine maybe that means that we get to see some more Marcus Baugh because they, they just signed this guy, um, Mark, Marcus Baugh. If you're, if you're believing what the coaching staff is saying in terms of getting looks at new guys, now maybe that just means Baugh goes out there and, and run blocks for three quarters or whatever. But I would, I would look at yeah. guys on the Steelers roster who were not on the roster last year or have been signed the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. And I'm definitely, I, I'm assuming this is going to be consensus take. So I, I don't, I haven't read any other content to be perfectly honest. I plan to before I play, but Dwayne Haskins, I do expect to play almost two quarters and he's going to get like guaranteed two minute drive. So I think that is um, pretty appealing as far as players that we'd be looking for. Haskins, a guy that you consider at captain, but definitely be jamming him into the flex and both Rico Bussey or BUC, I don't even know how to pronounce it, and Anthony Johnson were guys that uh, were in on those Haskins two-minute drills. So from a correlation perspective, I like that. I also think those are guys that Pittsburgh's going to want to get a longer look at. They're high enough on the depth chart that they're reasonably talented, but they're low enough that I think they'll get plenty of run. And so that's what's particularly appealing to me about both of those players. And I think they're strong correlation options with Haskins or just guys that you can consider at captain or in the flex regardless. Yeah. Uh, so they, they have uh, an undrafted rookie, Isaiah McCoy. I have not read anything about him in terms of like what the Steelers have said about him, but I know he was kind of an intriguing guy during the draft process and I our friend Anthony Nico actually kind of liked him he was uh like a a a down the field guy he averaged like 18 yards per catch his final season at Kent State again if they're for sticking to the theory of Steelers wanting to evaluate guys who are new to the team it would make sense for them to get him some looks and he might be a guy who played with Dobbs who who would play with Dobbs in the second half because we think probably Rudolph probably gets the first quarter. Haskins probably gets the second quarter. And Josh Josh Jobs has literally been a preseason guy for like as long as I've been playing NFL DFS in the preseason. Like Dobbs is just always hanging around. So like uh, uh, Dobbs and McCoy, I I would be a little bit interested there. Yeah. Yeah. I I think like um, McCoy, Sexton, Tyler Simmons, like I, I know literally nothing about Sexton or Tyler Simmons, but I don't think it's particularly important if there are content platforms out there that are pumping one of these guys or the other, like they're all going to have pretty similar opportunities. And so I think that's where you're kind of leveraging game theory a little bit, but in general, I think the Pittsburgh wide receivers uh, are a place that I'm going to be interested in playing. I also just slightly think that the quarterback situation on Pittsburgh is, is better. I think you're getting a little bit more talented quarterbacks with Rudolph and Haskins playing like three quarters of the game. So um, I also think that, you could make an argument that Pittsburgh would throw a tiny bit more just because they're trying to figure out the QB two situation behind uh, big Ben. But um, I think the I, other Simmons has been touted. I, I yeah. expect Simmons to be the most owned Steelers wide receiver, just based off of the little bit of research I did. Okay. That's fair. Um, and then tight ends. I think you're probably fading in all showdown formats. I guess Fryermuth is interesting. It sounds like his issue in the camp so far has been like, pass blocking and whatnot but he has um played well offensively and in the passing game and we we don't expect ebron or gentry to play so maybe he's he's probably the only tight end i'd even consider playing in the showdown slate 
you don't you don't think Marcus Baugh could play three quarters? I, I don't think so, just because the depth charts are a little bit more robust, but also just generally like the even if you got all of the team's tight end production in one player, it's like on average, like seven or eight points. It's just so unless the tight end is like legitimately, legitimately talented, has some upside, then I'm, I'm probably not interested. Yeah, I, I think there's a Cowboys tight end who might actually get a little bit of run. Sean McKeon. He is uh, an undrafted free agent, but several beat writers mentioned him as a guy to like keep an eye on that they're trying to evaluate for a more like receiving role. They're they're not going to play Jarwin. They're not going to play Schultz in this game. I don't even think they would play Jeremy Sprinkle in this game, who is like a 30-year-old blocking tight end at this point. Uh, and of course, NFL preseason DFS legend Rico Gathers, people remember that role. Uh, I mean, I, I, I would, I don't know anything about this McKeon guy, but I did, I just saw his name mentioned as he is expected to get some run tonight for the Cowboys. Yeah. So I, I think he would be like a, I don't know, I'm not MMEing for this, but if I was like a 5% ish type dark guy, maybe. Got it. Yeah. Um, and then Pittsburgh, I think, you know, I guess just to finish up the Pittsburgh side of things, they, they have a lot of running backs, which is a pause. I think the running back room is fairly talented um it's at least guys that we're we're like comfortable with but uh Najee Harris so Tomlin did say that it's not gonna be about a player's role on the team as much as it is experience so he wants them to go through the process of like prepping for a game still I think for like Harris that would mean at most a series and so that's probably not enough to demand too much attention from me but they've got Anthony McFarland they've got Kalen Balazs Jalen Samuels Trey Edmonds um, so all those guys I'm less interested in than the Cowboys backfield, which we'll get to later. But um, I don't know if you have any personal preferences uh, between those guys. Snell was a guy who was out in practice this week and they have a lot of experience with. So probably a guy you can avoid. Um, and I think, I believe that same thing is true for McFarland. I believe McFarland missed a practice this week as well. Uh, I, I could potentially be making that up, but he was on, he was also on the team last year. I think the guy you would want to run out if you were using a Steelers running back would probably be Trey Edmonds. Um, Cause I would imagine that the Pittsburgh running back rotation will be maybe a series for Najee Harris. Uh, I don't think we'll see Anthony McFarland at all. He left Monday's practice with an ice pack on his knee and uh, DNP for Benny Snell this week. I, maybe it's Kalen Balage actually, because yeah. Balage is new to the team. Edmonds was on the team last year. Tony Brooks James was signed. He's not even in the DK player pool, but he was on the team last year. Jalen Samuels was on the team last year. So if you want to, if you want to, you know, put in all these different layers of like, okay, evaluating guys. So running backs injured, new to the team, it, it would be Kalen Balage. Balage would be the guy. But, you know, then he's a vet. He's been in the NFL for like five years. So you know, it's like, who yeah. knows? I, yeah. And so I think I'm probably mostly avoiding the Steelers backfield. I mean, you got to take some stands somewhere and it's it's pretty thin. Um, on the Cowboys side of things, looks like Gilbert is going to start at quarterback, then Cooper Rush, and then Danucci. Um, there have been reports that Danucci could get a longer look than the other guys. I don't know it hasn't been as clear as it was with Pittsburgh. So I don't know if that means he's going to play the entire second half or if it just means it's going to be split like 30, 30, 40 between those guys. But I think that's what we're looking at, at the quarterback position. I'm not sure the talent between those quarterbacks is really that different to like warrant one guy kind of getting separation over the others. So 
Um, if I was going to favor a Cowboys quarterback slightly, it would probably be Danucci. Yeah. So I actually, I actually have a Cowboys running back take as well. Obviously, we're not going to see any Zeke. Don't think we are going to see any bit of Pollard. I mean, maybe Pollard literally gets like one carry, but they're kind of thin at Very running back. Thin. And we also know that they are going to run a ton. And again, the other day, Mike McCarthy was giving some lip service to playing Rico Dowdle, giving him like first team carries, not in yeah. preseason, but in the regular season. So the two guys they have on the depth chart are Brendan Knox and Jaquan Hardy. Both of them were actually productive college players. Neither of them have a chance of making the roster. I, I, I mean, one, I think you could play these guys together in showdown. And two, I wonder whichever one of them is lower owned, whether it be Knox or whether it would be Hardy, both of them seem like uh, decent Califani Muhammad candidates from that, uh, that 2019 Broncos game when you shifted. I, I think that both of them are probably undervalued because another thing we know about the preseason is teams just run the ball a ton. They, they, cause they don't want to get anyone injured They're They got ninth string offensive linemen in there. So they just run the ball a lot. Yeah. And the, the Cowboys backfield. So basically when I looked at the slate, the Steelers wide receivers and the Cowboys backfield were the most appetizing places. Um, you definitely got to play some quarterbacks and defense has extremely high floor and high ceiling. So um, double defense is definitely in play, but I think the Cowboys backfield is for sure in play. I was curious your, your takes on it. And I'm also curious where content goes with it because I just don't see much of a difference between Jaquan Hardy and Brendan Knox, as far as what I expect for the opportunities for them. I also wasn't really sure. It seems like everybody thinks that Dowdle is kind of a lock to be on the roster, but I wasn't sure if that means they're still not going to play him or if it's going to be like a three-man split. But regardless, I think you're talking about like a three-man split here versus like a flipping a six-headed coin with Pittsburgh. So I definitely like the, the Dallas backfield. There's some of the higher projected players in the slate. If you kind of just allocate like an average rushing performance for a team individually to each of these players. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe Pollard gets the first series and Dowdle gets the second one. Knox, I guess, is semi-interesting just because he was really good in 2019. And Marshall, 270 carries, 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns, and 14 receptions that year. Um, I, I guess I don't know a ton about Jaquan Hardy. I think he maybe played – he played at a smaller school. He doesn't even have a college football reference page. But I, I do know that both of those – yeah, he played at Tiffin University. So whatever, I mean, I, I would guess that Knox probably has the better chance of making the team and whichever one of them projects for lower ownership, which, you know, who knows, it seems like flipping a coin, but I, I think both of them, like if I was, if I was Emma Ming, I, I have Knox right now, I'm just playing a, a single entry team and I have yeah. Knox in, but I, I might play both of them, honestly. If, I definitely think if you're hand building a team, you can build a core and then just like rotate out teams where you've got like Hardy on one and Knox in the other and just like, the other five guys, just the exact same. I think that's a pretty good way to go for like a hand build strategy. Um, and if it seems like the pulse is all on, you know, Hardy versus Knox and definitely Knox would be a superior play. What we're looking for here, like they're not going to be checking the ball down six times for running back. So we're, we're just hoping to capture some touchdown variance to go along with like a decent yardage floor. Yeah. And then we, uh, we need to talk about defenses because the, the, the OG gal brain rule was, oh my gosh, this is so exploitable. The defenses always get points. Every lineup has to include two defenses, kickers, guaranteed points. Uh, though 
Kickers are weak. They're pretty thin for sure. Um, but and Greg Zerline's not even playing. Not even playing. So whoever so are, is kicking are they for just going to go for two, or are they going to have like their punter kick? They'll, they'll have the they don't have another do kick it. in the roster. They'll just have the punter do it, who is yeah. not in in the slate. And then I guess for Pittsburgh, I, I guess Sam Sloman probably kicks for them instead of Boswell. I mean, what do they need to see from Chris Boswell at this point? But I, I don't even know. I think yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if with Zerline out, they just go for two or not even go for two, just go for fourth downs or punt. Yeah. Uh, So, so give your, give your, your structural thoughts on what to do with. Yeah. So, I mean, DSTs are pretty elite. Like they're very high floor plays. Um, My winning lineup was a double DST lineup, which included a D versus a captain quarterback. And so the floors are really high. Like the total in this game is like 30, right? Um, the team totals are extremely low. So even, even if you give up 14 points, you're getting a bunch of time against these backup quarterbacks as well. So um, that was kind of what happened. You know, I think a lot of people will play the D's. I think they'll be like 60% owned in total in flex. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's way too fair. low. So, yeah, if, no, so if you, if you like the defenses should realistically be like the third and fourth highest projected players. Yeah. So I, I think 60%, I think Maybe. the, the GTO equilibrium of them would be like 80%, honestly. And and I, th- I think that there's a scenario where like the D's are the winning captains. And I know Cody Main of uh, ETR had mentioned that even though people do play some D um, in captain, it was just 4% of the player pool that was doing it despite like being in the optimal 18 or 20% of the time. So um, I'm not sure, you know, with, with the Hall of Fame game, if that will be, like a higher percentage because the totals are lower, but um, I definitely think that 2D lineups are pretty strong. Uh, if you're going to use the daily road optimizer, which we hope to have live in time for this game, you can maybe negative key boost the opposing D with your captain, but I would only do that a little bit. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see D captain, like no quarterbacks, just like some wide receivers and PPR stuff in the flex. Yeah. I mean, I, I think some like the, the winning construction will either be like if someone breaks off a long one, like uh, like if someone scores like a 50-yard touchdown, that person is going to be the captain almost for sure. Though it the the constructions and the theory gets a little bit different when you realize that guys don't cost different salaries. So like, you know, when we're thinking about normal, like week four showdown or whatever, Tyreek Hill could have 120 yards and a touchdown and not be the captain because of the way salary distributions work. But that is not at play here. It's, it's just whoever scores the most points is the optimal captain. Yep, that, that's definitely the case. And for me, I think that's going to leave my player pool with like Haskins, who I think could he could throw 150 yards, one or two touchdowns for sure in a half. Um, not likely, but 150 and one might be good enough. And then some of the, the, the like wide receivers we discussed with Pittsburgh, the thin positional depth chart there in both these um, and then potentially two of those Dallas backs. Um, that's kind of what I'm looking at for the player pool. I definitely don't want to go super deep in the player pool because like you said, it is a pick them and there are some pretty high floor ceiling combination players in this slate. Yeah. I so again, I am not MMEing, so I'm being a disingenuous fraud tout right now, but if I was. Who's, so I, who's your captain? I have the Cowboys defense as, yeah. as captain. Yeah, uh, that seems. I think, I think the Pittsburgh defense is probably better because. But they'll be five percent more owned or whatever. Yeah. Okay, I was just thinking they get 
better matchups with quarterbacks and their favorites lately in the game. And yeah. Yeah. So if, but if I think the Steelers defense is going to be 9% owned in the captain and the Cowboys defense is going to be 5% yeah. and I've seen Dwayne Haskins work also. So you're playing, that's... you're playing both D I assume, especially if you're going D at captain, you'd almost uh, you're almost mandating a low scoring game and that, and that is almost always going to dictate that the other D is going to be good enough in flex. Yes. Yeah. I am. I am playing both defenses. I think, so I think the rules I would use would be every lineup would have at least one of the defenses I would boost in my, like I would manually, like, I don't know how the projections work, but I would boost the defenses a lot so that I were getting a lot of them. And I was getting a lot of them in captain, a lot of them together. I would have Danucci as my highest projected scoring Cowboys quarterback. I would, I would actually probably limit Haskins, but create a rule with Haskins where you have to include at least one of the Steelers wide receivers. And then I wouldn't do that with Dobbs. Cause I think if Dobbs ends up in the optimal, he probably runs for like 40 yards or a touchdown or something. Cause he, yeah, does. Is he, is he going to take off? Is he mobile enough? I mean, he's like, Josh, he's not like a, like, he's not, not like a, a runner, okay. but he's like, a. I mean, he can, he can move a little bit. Like he is not, he's not a statue. Um, like that, that would kind of be the thing, yeah. the thing with him. And I then I would have, I would have one of Knox or Hardy and every lineup as well. I'd, I'd create a min one of them. I think. Okay. Yeah. I like some of those. I probably wouldn't min one the running backs, but I'll probably get pretty close to that naturally. I think if you're playing a quarterback at captain, I'm, I'm going to try to stack him. Like he's going to have to throw a touchdown and you're going to need that touchdown from the receivers. So single stack, I think is fine. You don't have to get carried away with the double stack because the points distribution is going to be pretty wide. Um, I definitely think that if you're playing a D at captain, you're, going to need the other d in that lineup it, it's almost going to mandate a really low scoring game um so that's so something if, if steelers dst captain then min one cowboys d flex yep okay yeah I, I i have no problem with that i it looks like yeah i mean i i just think it's so obvious that maybe maybe the cowboys running backs don't even both make the optimal but they should lead one of these guys will have the most touches of the football in the game i yeah. think and then the yeah the, the hardest thing is probably if if you're playing a D captain, whether or not you play the opposing team quarterback in there, just because you're telling like a certain I, I, I story. I wouldn't mandate that as a rule at all. I think that's something where you can start to group out the nuts pretty easily. Yeah. So um, I do think you want to go a bit more. Uh, I definitely want to get over the field on all Pittsburgh wide receivers and flex if I can. And ideally um, targeting those two Dallas uh, backs, I think is a good, good general strategy for this slate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think that should pretty much, I mean, that is, that is about as in-depth as you're going to get on, uh, on strategy for rule creation for, for showdowns. Yeah, that's all we got. Um, definitely if you, the articles on the site for preseason right now are free, I'll have a preseason blog up for the additional weeks as well. Might hop back on here to talk some to plays with uh, Davis, but definitely check our product out over at Daily Rotor this year. Yep. All right, everyone, good luck in the Hall of Fame game. We're, we're blessed to have football back in our lives, and uh, I hope someone gets rich on the shoulders of uh, Brandon Knox today. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready.
Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.